Welcome to Influence Me, a series of podcasts where the prime focus is leadership. I'm Assistant Commissioner Andrew Short, and I'm going to be hosting a series of podcasts where I get to interview a variety of guests, both internal and external to QFES. The topic is something extremely important to us, and one that is central to the success of QFES. I want to talk with these guests about leadership, and I want to learn more about leadership from the thoughts and experiences of others. I want to be influenced. For this podcast, it's an honour to have Stuart Ellis, the CEO of the Australasian Foreign Emergency Service Authorities Council. Stuart is an experienced leader in the emergency manager sector and was appointed Chief Executive Officer of AFAC in 2012. Stuart is focused on national initiatives that progress the effectiveness and professional standing of foreign emergency services and has a focus on progressing an industry-wide integrated approach to emergency management. Previously, Stuart was the Chief Executive Officer and Chief Officer of the South Australian Country Fire Service. In 2002, he established a consultancy company and has been involved in over 20 operational reviews, including the Canberra bushfires, Victorian Bushfire Royal Commission, and the operational response to the Christchurch earthquake. Prior to that, Stuart was an Army officer for over 22 years, serving with the Special Air Services Regiment. Stuart, it's an absolute pleasure to have you with me today. The topic we're going to explore is leadership habits and certainly even reflecting on my own leadership journey, even having you pose that as a topic that we could work on and allow me to reflect on some of the things that I've actually got as habits now that I didn't really realise I had as habits, which is a good thing. So anyway, we're going to have a talk, but Stuart, just want to welcome you to the podcast. Andrew, look, thanks very much. And uh, I know um, leadership habits may not sound particularly intellectual, but if I was to reflect back on uh, the SAS service and the selection, people often focus on the, you know, the, the physical demands. But I learned that if you can be physically fit, then that gets you to a point where you can do your job well. And I think from a leadership perspective, if we can implement some good habits, then that just places us in a great position to be able to lead well. Stuart, over time for you, because we're all on a leadership journey, have you been able to hone what the really important habits are or things that you know that you need to be very consistent about? Has that happened for you in that, in that they've become more consistent? Yeah, look, I think, I think they do evolve over time. And, and some are, are things people would do anyway and say, well, I'm just doing that. But um, you know, others are things that, that progress, as you say, during, during your time as a leader. And yeah, I, I would start off with, with some, just some really simple ones. I mean, starting early in the day, you know, I, I think is, is a great habit, um, particularly for a leader, because you tend to get uh, ahead of the pack. You tend to get in, get yourself organized. That's something which you know, lots of people do, not just leaders, but I find as a leader, that just puts me a little way ahead. I mean, that's a very simple start. And a simple example of that is doctors, apparently, when they need to get help from another doctor, they'll always insist that the doctor does the surgery in the morning. So that's to me, is an expression of humans do better in the mornings. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. <laughs> So what, what else what, what else in terms of habits, Stuart? Planning for the week. Certainly if I'm at home, I'll, I will use the opportunity on a Sunday afternoon or evening 
just to look through the coming week and, and get my mind set for that week and what I want to achieve during that week. It's, it, it's sort of a, uh, look, it's a bit of a helicopter view. It's not getting too high, you know, what's my objectives for the year or the month. But a week is a very manageable period. And I think as leaders, the more we can, we can just look at that week ahead of time and identify what we want to achieve, again, puts us in the best place to achieving that. When you do that, Stuart, do you find what happens for me is when I do that, because I'm actually got the same habit, I, Sunday night, generally I will uh, you know, look, look at that week ahead. And again, not to look at the bigger picture, big objective stuff, but the, the framework, the framing of the week. I tend to find that what that does is identifies a couple of very important moments in the week and tends for me to allow you to focus in on being just right in terms of set up for those moments. Does that happen for you? Yeah, look, I, th I think it does. I, I think it's also important to be able to acknowledge what you've achieved from the week prior. You know, so if you set yourself yep. some goals, yep. you can you can tick those off. And if you don't set the goals, particularly perhaps during this current time with COVID and so on, you know, one week looks pretty much like the next. But yep. uh, just being able to acknowledge that, that that you've achieved the key points that you've identified, I think in itself is valuable. What other things are important? Look, exercise, you know, everyone tells us that for our mental health, for, for our physical health, and that's sort of a bit of a given. But I think doing some exercise every day, one way or another, people say, well, I haven't got time or, you know, there's lots of excuses, but you can always get off the bus or train early or, you know, drive a bit short of where your workplace is and, and go for a walk or go for a walk at lunchtime. I, I think doing some exercise is really important. We're designed to do that. So I'd certainly rate that you know, as a really useful habit to, for leaders, for everyone, but certainly for leaders. When you do that, do you find yourself, because my, my exercise that I try to stay true to is swimming, and I find that when I'm in the pool and I'm watching that black line up and down, even though I'm getting exercise, I tend to find that I start to process stuff. And even though, yeah, the whole notion of exercise sometimes is your total relief from your work or other concerns, but certainly I find it can be actually beneficial for giving your mind time to work through an issue. Do you find that happens for you, whether you're walking or whatever whatever exercise you do? It tends to depend on the time of day. In the morning, I, I have the benefit of being able to walk to work and walk home, which I do every day I can. In the way in, I don't listen to the radio. I don't do anything. I just try and zone out a little and just um, absorb the moment, if you like. Um, yep. But in the afternoon, I think certainly, uh, yeah, I, I reflect on what's, what has happened and what perhaps went well, what perhaps didn't. So, yeah, I think there's more reflection for me in the afternoons, but in the morning I try and just focus on the moment and and not let myself stray too much. There's always this, I think as people, or as humans, we can fall in the trap of looking ahead and not necessarily giving ourselves time to reflect, package, whatever. Because the way we do that, my view, is that if, if we do it well and actually can spend time to reflect on what happened in a situation or a moment, we actually lose the opportunity to frame our forward-looking objectives. So what's, what's been your experience in terms of the lessons that we learn day in, day out? Yeah, well, look, look I, I think reflection is very important because, as you say, if you don't do that, 
then I don't think we can do those activities better or, or we don't learn. You know, it's a bit like all these inquiries that are occurring currently um, from an operational perspective after the last fire season. Um, they're, they're important activities and we need to be able to spend effort and time reflecting on what we've done and uh, what was done well, but also what can we do better. And sometimes we like yeah. to just be so busy that we avoid doing that. What other things would you suggest to listeners in terms of what, what other habits can they think about? Wherever I can, I try and create things twice. That might sound a little bit odd, but if, if it's important, I try and think it through, whether it's a meeting. Um, yeah, we, we do that with project planning. I mean, we do it with big projects. If we're building a house, you know, we're going to have to get architects or builders to, to, to detail the plans. So in, in my work from a leadership perspective, if we are having a meeting or we're working on a project or writing a piece, I try and think about it first, create it once in my mind, and then create it the second time, either in writing or through the interaction. Um, but it's quite a deliberate thing for me, wherever I can, that I will aim to uh, create those things once in my mind and then in actuality and taking the time to do that. Do you find by having that habit, that second run or that second look that you have it that can actually change that your approach a little bit. Do, do you find that you can you have these moments of improvement? Absolutely, and I think you have greater confidence because you know where you're trying to get to, and I think that's very helpful. And you can do a little bit of war gaming, you know, when you're yeah. thinking it through. What what might happen if this occurs, or or you know, what are the risks to proposing that? So that. I think really contributes to the best possible outcome. The expression is, I think it's an old carpenter's expression, which is measure twice, cut once. For some reason, comes into my mind when you, when you are talking about that habit. Yeah, look, look, look I, I think that's right as well. But, it, but it's, it's, it's really just making sure that, you know, there's, there is something exciting about working on the spontaneity of the moment when we're doing something. But... If it's uh, if it's really important to us, then I think it it really behoves you to spend some time thinking how you're going to work through that that issue before you actually face it. What other ones you got there? Maintaining a personal mission statement. It probably sounds a little bit uh, I don't know dry. When I was uh, commanding officer at Duntroon, you know, the Royal Military College, many years ago, we had Covey. I know Stephen Covey's written a number of books. And, yep, uh, Stephen. Yep. The, yep. Yeah, that's they're pretty good, I think, generally. But yeah, they, they his organisation came to us and said we want to run this course, and I said, oh, "Bugger off! We're the Royal Military College here, and yeah, we've got a pretty good handle <laughs> on this leadership." But anyway, we've been doing we, this. We, we, we've been doing this for years. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. But um, anyway, they they did run the course with us, and yeah, there are certainly some useful insights. One of them, which is actually sit down and write what's important to you, what you want to achieve, almost what you want to hear at your funeral. I mean, it sounds a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit gross perhaps, but, but I think that's, that, that sort of reflection, what do you want to achieve in your life? And when you do that, 
it, it, it is really um, powerful. And for me, you know, I, I identified a number of roles. It, it's not a snappy little statement. And I'm, I'm certainly not going to read it out now, but it, I identified a number of roles around being a husband and a father and my work and um, as a friend and, you know, as a Rotarian, different, different aspects of my life and what I'm wanting to achieve and then what values I want to operate by. And my view is until you've actually written them down, you, you really can't commit to them. So that's the value of actually writing something down as a leader. The approach to separating those roles, and, and I think, Stuart, my view is that within our sector, you know, we, we see people who strongly associate with being a, a fire officer or you know, being an emergency management specialist of some sort. And I think sometimes it creates confusion in the rest of their life. So I think it's really quite healthy what you're advocating, which is about uh, as people, we are, uh, we are a construct of many different roles. And I, I think for me, you know, that, that probably happened probably 10 years ago where I had to really accept that being a, you know, a professional emergency services officer, was it's only one part. It's only one part of me. And, and it does, I think, help things a lot in uh, defining that. Your comments about COVID, I need to acknowledge that even today, Stuart, I recommend to young leaders, emerging leaders, that they read the Seven Habits uh, book, which was a, one, of the, one of the early Stephen Covey books, which mm, mm, really mm. still in this day and age, even though now I think that book's probably 30 years old, it, it's still relevant, particularly his desire and notion of separating the important stuff from the urgent stuff. Because that's something else that I think it could be a real vortex yes. that we can get sucked into, expending lifetime and energy on something which is urgent, but in the big scheme of things, it's not really important. And I imagine that you've, you've probably seen that sort of scenario play out a few times. Yeah, and look, I often think emergency management people sort of can be addicted to busyness. You know, we want to be busy, and busyness is important to us. But as you say, it may not be what is actually most significant yeah Mm. yeah i want to venture into uh bad habits but but i want i want to give you the chance if you've got other um, another uh, one or two habits that you want to share with the listeners john can you do that and then we'll go into into that other area briefly i'll probably just go to a a fun one wearing red socks if you might recall andrew i've done it for a long time i'm aware of that I'm and, aware and, of that. <laughs> and and but look, I, I I do it to initiate a story. And uh, you know, Peter Blake, who who um, won the America's Cup off us, he was the captain of the New Zealand crew who won the America's Cup off us. Wore red socks, which his mother you know knitted for him on his boat. And I'm not a boaty, but apparently it stops you know marks and scuffs on the boat. And he got back to the yep. shore after the first race and said, "Now come on, all you New Zealanders, go and buy New Zealand." Uh, woolen red socks and he inspired New Zealanders to buy four million pairs of red socks which is almost more than there are New Zealanders so um, <laughs> it's, it, it's that notion around what can we do what can we do to inspire our teams you know we, we are not necessarily necessarily Sir Peter Blake's or you know Donald Bradman's or Churchill's with you know this, this great charisma, but there are little things we can do to inspire our teams. And he, he inspired a whole country by wearing red socks. What can we do to inspire our team? And I think 
that's something that just just really resonates with me is that if you know good leaders seek that discretionary effort of other people and you get that by inspiring them so how can we inspire our team to do more than what they may normally do so that's that red socks thing and just recently Stuart I, I come across a, um, a view that people sign up to a leader or or sign up to a leader personally before they sign up to a vision so that, that that connection that you describe and whether it be red socks or other ways that we can make coming to work fun is central as leaders and our teams have tough days really tough days and as a sector at the moment, and I'm not going to tell you nothing you don't know because you're, you're in a role which is central to this. We're going through a tough period of self-reflection and mm. it's intriguing and also incredibly important for us to and, and enjoy the interactions that we that we have together. Thank you. That's a lot. And yes, I'm very aware of your Red Sox. I've always admired them. The, uh, I just want to just change over quickly to leaders in their in their own journey the, the better ones and particularly as they go along and they come they, and they become a little bit more self-reflective they start to identify some habits or approaches that maybe are, are working against their overall objective oh, i put myself in this that you know there are things you go what my goodness why do i do that or what why do i handle it like that and particularly in a habit environment you know, there are times where you you, know, you pull out the same tool to use even though the context is wrong or the situation's wrong What's been your perspective on uh, watching leaders as they try to break out of old ways of doing things or old habits? Yeah, look, 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 I think teaching old dogs new tricks is hard. It's not impossible, but it is hard. I mean, I, I can recall having a, fin a fantastic financial manager. You know, I had absolute confidence with him. But he, he really controlled the funds, but he also controlled his people. And, uh, you know, I think that was really unfortunate. I, it was a real struggle to break saying to him, control finances, absolutely, but release your people. You know, don't, don't try and um, supervise them so strongly that they're intimidated. So, I mean, I think there's, there's aspects like that which uh, are hard to break on reflection over a long period of time, but... As leaders, we need to, as you say, you know, right at the start of, of this interview, we're on a journey and, and, and all of us can keep improving. So if we see something which perhaps isn't working as well as it could be, like sort of over-supervision, then I think we should be speaking to our managers about that and, and trying to correct it. Whether it's achievable or not, I think that's going to be up to the individual. Yeah, and it can be a, it can be a tough shift. Um, Stuart, we're just going to move now into the five questions component. The first question I have is, what do you wish you really understood? Well, my immediate reaction, Andrew, was people. <laughs> yeah, because yep. I think well, what, what, you know, what do you what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, leadership leadership is about influencing people, you know, influencing people to achieve results, and so the more we understand people, and you know that. That's in part an experience thing. It's part intuitive. But uh, I think that's what leaders you know, need to focus on. Sure, we need to set direction. We need to be decisive and make decisions. We need to lead by example. But what do we really need to understand is the people because it's the people that are going to make whatever we want to achieve happen. And so that understanding, 
of people, what motivates them, what demotivates them, how do we get that discretionary effort out of them? It's that understanding which I think is probably most critical to effective leaders. Exactly. Uh, question two, what do you wish that other people understood about you? Look, you mentioned Covey before, and certainly one of his habits, which I, I really uh, am signed up to, was seek first to understand, then be understood. And in yeah, yeah. most conversations and interactions, I will, I will try and listen to the other person's point of view first, to the point that sometimes people say to me, you haven't bloody said anything. Um, <laughs> So, so you know, I, I'm I'm trying to get as much understanding from the other person, and I think what what I would like people to understand is that's what I'm doing initially. I'm, I'm not going to go yeah. out there and um, dictate my view and say that's right. I'm going to try and listen to your view in the first instance, and then try and shape that through through my understanding and my objectives. So that's what I'd like people it's, to it, understand. Yeah. And it's quite an interesting dynamic when you're doing that with people who are quite used to the traditional leader who will just tell them what to do or be, you know, get their view out. It's quite, I think I've seen that myself where you actually freak people out a little bit because they're going, you know, what's he doing? Is he, is he trying to analyze me? Is he trying to, whereas in fact, I'm the same. You're trying to really understand for, for you know, understand the intent. And and the, the and why the person has a view they have, but really, yeah, we could explore that a lot further. Question three: What type of leader do you prefer? And I and I probably, given that you've had, you've now been able to experience leadership in so many different contexts. What type of leader do you prefer, Stuart? Look, I, I'm not going to go to a particular category. I, I'm saying here a doer, getting the job done, someone who actually gets the job done. We can have intellectual leaders, you know, people who are perhaps experts in, in readership more than leadership. And, you know, you, you can categorise your leader into, in, into different forms. But at the end of the day, I, I really admire leaders that can achieve what they set out to do. And uh, the doers are the people that, that appeal to me both, most. And from my perspective, you know, I'm very keen to deliver clear outcomes. Well, in the, because in the end, that's what we're here for. And, well, and this it, is it where, is. yeah, and this is where people get confused. I, I still run into people who, who think that making people happy or making people feel involved, uh, you know, top order principles. No, I think they're important principles, but they, they've got to be subordinate to the, the mission. And I'm not saying that's a, that's a permission to disrespect people or treat people badly. But for me, the type of, you know, just to, to, to respond to your comment, I love the leader who gets the job done and actually brings people along as part of it because generally speaking, it doesn't work if the people aren't there. But I agree with your, your primary comment, which is that in the end, we're all here for a purpose and that, that's to get the job done. The next question is, and this will be a reflection, reflective question, in respect to your own leadership development and knowing what you know now, what advice would you give to the younger version of yourself? Hmm. Yeah, it's always an interesting one. I, I think, you know, back yourself and make the decision and deal with the consequences because I think as a young leader often we are more hesitant you know we can see lots of reasons not to do something but as I've got older 
you know, whether it's your conscience or your experience, essentially, I think, you know, we often know what's the right thing to do. And we probably have more confidence just to do it. So as a younger leader, I, I would err towards doing it. Sometimes it won't be the right thing and, you, and there will be consequences, but that's how we learn. And rather than not do something, I would err towards lean forward, make the decision or conduct the activity and um, you know, deal with the consequences if it wasn't right. I mean, you've not got to put that in context. You don't want to be unsafe about something. That would be my reflection because I think as a young leader, I was probably a bit more hesitant than I needed to be and at times didn't learn from that rather than doing it and learning. A, a great reflective answer, Stuart. The last question, which uh, speaks to the point that as leaders, we have to be the bearer of bad news. What's your take on that? How should we do it? How shouldn't we do it? What's what's worked for you? Uh, well, I'm going to pick up your question here. How, um, how would you prefer to do it? I'd prefer to do it in writing. <laughs> but is that yeah. the most appropriate? <laughs> that would be my preference. But is that the best yeah, way to yeah. do it? No, you've, you've got to sit down with someone. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you, you've absolutely got to sit down with someone. And, you know, people talk about, you know, leading by, by walking around and that's what you've got to do. And when things don't go right, you've got to sit down with someone face to face. And normally it is the leader that that's got to do that. You, you can't necessarily delegate bad, you know, delivering bad news. And so just, uh, you know, grip it up, sit people down and, and tell them the facts of life and face to face because, at the end of the day, that's your job and that's what you need to do. Excellent. Just uh, in, in uh, wrapping this up now, I'm going I'm to provide a little quote here, which is from an author by the name of Mike Murdoch, and I think it speaks to what we've just discussed. The, the quote is, the secret of your future is hidden in your daily routine. What's your view on that? Hmm. Look, I think there's a lot in that. There, there is a lot in that. Just having, having that, I guess it's self-discipline to map, out what you do, it just makes it so much easier to deal with the unexpected things that come along, Andrew. None of us are going to have a clear view of everything ahead, and we've experienced that this year, all of us with this uh, coronavirus. But having good habits and mapping out your weeks and your days allows you to respond in the most effective way as a leader. So I'd, I'd really support that approach. That brings us to the end. Stuart, I need to say to you, thank you for your service to our sector and the leadership that you have provided. And I know that, that we've got many, many leaders in our sector who have been instrumental in its evolution and its continual uh, shift towards an even better way of assisting communities. But I just want to say thank you to you. I've uh, enjoyed this discussion and I hope you have, have a good day. Andrew, thanks very much, and uh, thanks for the opportunity. And we need to all reflect and, and remember, you know, we are achieving great things as a sector. At the same time, we can always do better. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. Thanks, Andrew.